Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated General Grabber ATX. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Volume. The 3 and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecock, 3 and Out Podcast. Baker Mayfield is alive. Alive and well. So are the Rams after beating the Raiders. Uh, with, you could argue, one of the worst losses of the season. A lot of other stuff going on. Lamar Jackson, John Robinson fired in Tennessee. Uh, a little Tua Chargers. Uh, the transfer portal. Dive into a lot. You can uh, subscribe to the podcast, 3 and Out Podcast. Also, make sure, uh, fire in the Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. And uh, yeah, let's just dive right in. Some thoughts here on this Thursday night barn burner with starting with Baker Mayfield. And I would say he's become and had become and really was one of the most polarizing players in the NFL. And let's face it, for the last two years, it has been a complete disaster for the guy, right? The the last year in Cleveland was really ugly. Now, he was injured, but the team did not like him. The players clearly didn't because when he got traded, they didn't have many positive things to say. And Stefanski and the general manager, Andrew Barry, were clearly not big fans either. They were over it. And they, they were ready to move on well before the Deshaun Watson thing ever became not only available, but like a destination to Cleveland. They were off Baker Mayfield for whatever reason. I don't have any inside sources there. It's just clear they had had enough of the guy. They did not like each other. And then he goes to Carolina and was, you could make the argument statistically, Zach Wilson would throw up his hand, he was one of the worst quarterbacks, if not the worst quarter, starting quarterback in the NFL. And it led to his coach getting fired, which wasn't totally his fault. The guy was on the hot seat coming into the year. But Baker Mayfield was not good with the Carolina Panthers. And we had all just kind of acknowledged, former number one overall pick, he's just not good enough. This is not going to work. And then this week, he gets, you know, gets his release, gets waived. The Rams pick him up. Right move. The Rams, who look who they're playing with. 
Aaron Donald's on the sideline. Cooper Cup's on the sideline. Matt Stafford's on the sideline. Jalen Ramsey's getting cooked. You know, I mean, they're, they are dependent on four players. Three of them is street closed. The other guy's not having a great season. So you go, why not? The only way, like, coming into this game, the Detroit Lions had the third overall pick because that's where the Rams are drafting. So they don't have their first-round pick. They have nothing to lose. McVay kind of needs a project to get going. It made some sense. But then when the game started, you're like, well, I was hoping they would start him, but I understood when Walford came running out. And then McVay went to the bullpen immediately. Now, I'm recording this. McVay probably talking to the media. Maybe that was the plan all along. Maybe he just said, screw it. There obviously are some parallels and similarities and basically this very the same offense that Stefanski a couple years ago and McVay runs, even though McVay has definitely become more pass-happy, but the boots and, and, and the Shanahan zone running scheme is something that Baker Mayfield's familiar with. Now, that being said, to come in on two days of work and be able to lead one of the worst teams in football, arguably beside the Texans, the worst team in football. That team is not good. To a win against a team that has a star pass rusher, a really good quarterback, arguably the first or second best wide receiver. Like, they got some good players on the Raiders, and they had been playing good football. To beat them? I, I, you know, when the game's going on, especially once we go to the second half, I start thinking about my angles and my takes. And my take was going to be, before that game-winning drive, what a night for Baker Mayfield. What an incredibly positive night. At worst, if he can just play competent football, which he had, and he ended up being 22 with 35, you know, for a couple hundred yards and obviously the game-winning touchdown. But even if the game-winning touchdown had not taken place and he had ended up 18 of, you know, 30 or whatever, he had a real NFL game. Like, that's what an NFL quarterback looks like. Maybe a backup, maybe a fringe starter, but a guy that can play in the league. Now, to be a backup, maturity matters, and that's been a big knock on him. Like a lot of teams, if you're going to be Josh Allen, if you're going to be Patrick Mahomes, if you're going to be Justin Herbert, if you're going to be some of these guys' backup, Matt Stafford, they want a grown-up. And if Baker Mayfield can play like that and then around Sean McVay be a grown-up, he can resurrect his career or he can just extend his career because it was trending before the Rams waved him like, is this guy going to be out of the league? Is this guy going to be out of the league fast? And then he has a night like tonight, and Sean McVay, a Super Bowl champion, one of the higher-level coaches, I give the Rams a lot of credit. Even before they won the game, they played their ass off. And really, beside uh, Bobby Wagner and Jalen Ramsey, and I, Baker Mayfield's famous, though he has not good, they're playing with a lot of randos. I mean, their left tackle, Herb Street's describing him. He's been to like several different leagues. It's like, no wonder they're getting worked. And they just tried really, really hard. And that, that is a mark of a good coach. This is a, beyond the season for hell from them, especially when you factor in they're coming off the Super Bowl and they tried hard. But ultimately in football, it's one thing to try. It's another thing to execute the offense. It's another thing to drive the field. And they struggle with that a lot of the game. And then those last couple drives, Baker Mayfield, honestly, I don't want to say brilliant, but he was just really, really good. And for a guy that's been really, really bad, that's a huge positive. And now the only thing he needs to do the rest of the season is just act like a grown-up around the operation. Show up early, stay late, be a sponge. And sometimes, like, we always think, you know, when you get traded or you get cut or you get fired or something goes wrong that you get humbled. That doesn't happen to everybody. Some of us, when something bad happens and whether we're on top of the world or things are going well, we get humbled. Some people don't. 
And it might take some people to stumble several times. Humility might even be the wrong word. Just to do some introspection and go, I need to change. Something like, I can't keep throwing the same pitch. I need to do something else that might work. And maybe it took Baker Mayfield from being traded to the Carolina Panthers and then forcing his release, you know, in a second jersey of the season to go, you know what? I got nothing to lose. I'm going to come in here bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, work my ass off, and just see where the chips might, you know, fall. You right? I'm going to give my all from a personality standpoint and from a football standpoint. And from a football standpoint, the dude played a high-level game. And, and the Raiders' defense isn't good, but that that's withstanding, right? Non-withstanding. He, he showed up on Tuesday afternoon. I mean, Wednesday. That, that's pretty crazy. And he's not playing Cooper Cup and Marshall Falk and Todd Gurley ain't walking through that door. Isaac Bruce. I mean, this ain't the greatest show on turf. He's dealing with Skoranek and Van Jefferson, who's back from injury, and Tutu Atwell, which I'm pretty sure I was watching the red zone a couple weeks ago. He caught a touchdown, and Siciliano's like, Breaking news, Tutu Atwell just scored the first touchdown of his NFL career. He's not a rookie. So the team he was dealing with, I, I, listen, to watch McVay's excitement, excitement as a football fan, like that was fun. That that was for a game that for a lot of it, it's like, oh my God, this game sucks. I'm not going to complain about having to watch football for a living, but God, this game's boring. And then to have that happen, it's a little bit like Monday night. It's like, God, I got to watch this game. And then Tom Brady just goes the GOAT. Tonight, it was like, oh, this. And then Baker Mayfield feels like resurrects his career in like two drives. Like, th- that's why we watch. It's, it's the ultimate reality television. You never actually know what's going to happen, right? And that's what makes pro sports so much fun and just sports in general. Uh, pro sports, because these guys become big personalities, you know, they, they have ups, they have downs like Baker Mayfield. Part of what makes tonight so cool is is how low it had been for Baker Mayfield. How low it had been for the Rams, right? And the Raiders had been playing well, so th- th- that was really, really fun. And my take on the Raiders was going to be, <laughs> I've said this forever, and really if you play, I've always said like after the first month, so starting early October, if you are the road team and you win a Thursday night football game, this is not college football. You, you don't get extra credit for you know, blowing teams out or keeping the game close. What? Just win the game, move on. You can go twelve and five and have twelve one point victories, and you are the two seed. So all you got to do is win. And when you're the road team in December, I was I care nothing how it looks. It does not matter if you go on the road on a Thursday night game around Thanksgiving or after and win the game. That is a massive, massive win. And it felt like. God, the Raiders are going to win this game. They're going to be 6-7. and seven. They're going to get a long week to the Patriots. And there is a roadmap to them competing for the seven seed. That ended tonight. And I think you'd have to quantify this year as once you make a big trade for Devontae Adams, once you, you know, extend Derek Carr, you extended Hunter Renfro and Waller who have been injured. Max Crosby's had an excellent season. Max Crosby's a beast. And to be 5-8, and eight, they still play the Chiefs. They still play the 49ers. I mean, next week, the Patriots, that, that, that's no guaranteed win. I mean, this year is a failure for the Raiders. It's not a Denver-level failure. It's not a Rams-level failure. But it's a pretty big disaster. Because you don't have that much history in the last couple decades of success. So ultimately, this game and this result and this season where you're destined to be under 500 again is kind of who you are who you have been. 
I think last season with Derek and those guys rallying together and them getting to the playoffs and them, you know, playing a competitive game. A lot of people act like that Cincinnati game, like it was close at the end. The game during the game was not that close. Like Cincinnati is was the much better team. But the Raiders, you never apologize for just making the playoffs and losing the first round. They have two playoff appearances in 20 freaking years. Like, you know, they, they're, they've been a disaster as a franchise. And there was a ton of momentum. I bought the hype. I bought the hype. And a lot of people, a lot of people out there on the streets call me a Raider hater. They think I have some personal vendetta against the franchise. They think that I root for them to lose. I was the guy who picked them to make the playoffs this year, who picked them to be really good, who thought Josh McDaniels was a home run hire. I'm like, this thing is not just going to work. And then the offseason, they get Devontae fucking Adams. I'm like, Jesus, is this an 11-win team? I mean, they are going to struggle potentially to win seven games. Just a, just an utter, ultimate disaster. It's why we talk about the Chargers a lot. The reason everyone's so hard on Brandon Staley, when you have a competent quarterback and you're paying, you know, the Chargers aren't even, aren't even paying him yet. You got to make the playoffs. Like, say what you want about the Ravens. A lot of ups and downs. Now Lamar's injured. They make the playoffs every year. You just make the playoffs. Obviously, it didn't last year, actually, because he was injured. But you know what I mean. They're, they're going to make the playoffs again. Like, you just make the playoffs, and the Raiders just don't. And now they got all this star power, like legitimate star power. Max Crosby is a high, high-end pass rusher. Devontae Adams is between him, Tyreek Hill, and Justin Jefferson. Best wide receiver in the league. You know, Derek Carr is a top 12-ish quarterback. Josh Jacobs, stud. Stud. Are we sure Josh McDaniels that good? Like, are, are we sure? You know, because everyone's like, you're going to give them credit now? They've won three games in a row. Well, you, you can't be losing to Baker Mayfield when he showed up on Tuesday. Think about this. Josh McDaniels has two losses this year that you could argue, given the circumstances, are, I mean, two of the worst losses of the league. He lost to Jeff Saturday's debut. Jeff Saturday hasn't not only not won since. I mean, the Cowboys just beat him like 75-2 to two the other day. And he just lost to Baker Mayfield, who showed up on Tuesday. Let's face it. Anyone listening to this, if your coach and you had a decent squad with some talent, lost those two games, hard to forget that. Now, I know Mark Davis gave him the dreaded vote of confidence. He's my guy. That's why we signed the contract. I believe in him. Those two losses are hard. I miss this. My, my producer, James, like you see Ice Cube showing the peace sign with Mark Davis. Ice Cube is one of the biggest Raider fans going. Obviously, an L.A. guy comes to the game, big deal, sitting with Mark Davis. Mark Davis entertaining Ice Cube, and you witness that. Van Jefferson catching a game-winning touchdown. Like that, that is a kick in the nuts. That, that is, you know, for as cool as the Baker win was, and it was, right? Whenever you get some historic, I, don't, I know it's not historic, but like on the, on, based on this season, that's one of the more bigger wow wins of the season. Well, on the flip side, that's one of the bigger holy shit losses of the year. That loss tonight is worse than the Jeff Saturday loss. Honestly, it might not be close. I mean, they were up 16-3 in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I mean, even that final drive, the Rams did not have any timeouts. They had no timeouts. And hell, look what happened on that final drive. Max Crosby destroys Baker Mayfield, sacks him, great sack. Chandler Jones comes in too. And what happens? The, the defensive tackle hits the ball out of his hands. Like, Josh McDaniels, you know, he's supposed to be this Belichick guy. What's Belichick big on? Details, not screwing up, not biting yourself, you know, not screwing up. Controlling what you control. That's just moronic. That, that, that was, what are you doing? 
That gave them 15 yards of life. And then from there, they just worked the ball down the field. And uh, I don't know, man. The Raiders, I I bought in originally, and then they kind of sucked me back in their three-game winning streak, even though they haven't really beat anybody. And they just, that's the Raiders franchise, man. They they will humble you fast because they just lose a lot, man. They they really, really do. That's a, uh, (laughs) that might be an all-timer tonight. Football season is underway. So now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code Colin for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive 
at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, the shocking news of the week. John Robinson, who's been on this podcast before, uh, was fired this week. And listen, personally, I've known the guy since I was a graduate assistant at Fresno State when he worked for the Patriots. He's been really cool to me. So I, I like the guy. And from just a football standpoint, his resume speaks for itself. They've done a lot of winning. I mean, last year in a conference with Buffalo and Kansas City, he was the number one seed, his team. He's also Mike Vrabel, the head coach. Like, he hired him. So th- this thing was pretty shocking. And I, I tried to do some digging. Try to put my big J hat on, even though I'm the furthest thing from it, uh, and try to find out like people in the NFL if they had heard anything, and I couldn't get anything beside what's been reported on. I think most people around the league were shocked when it happened. And I watched Mike Vrabel's press conference. He claimed to have nothing to do with it. It was all ownership, even though he answered the mic and Mike picked, or excuse me, John and John picked the players. It, it got. A, I wouldn't say it got contentious, though. Vrabel, you know. I would say it was a pretty good politician in that press conference. A couple weeks ago when Ohio State got their ass kicked by Michigan, it kind of hit me going, if I was a big money booster at Ohio State, and Ohio State thinks of themselves as Alabama, you know, from a financial standpoint, like Texas or USC, unlimited resources, and we should win or compete for national championships every single year. And when Jim Harbaugh, the guy they hate the most, back-to-back seasons, not only kicks their ass, but shoves them around, it was like, are we sure that every rich guy at Ohio State, in terms of the guys cutting the checks to the football program, like what's going on right now with Ryan Day? I know he's 45-5, and five, but two straight years losing to Michigan, that will not be tolerated. Their standards are just higher. And you go, well, what, who would they replace him with? Like, they're not, what would they, they're not getting Nick Saban. And I was like, well, you know who played there? A guy named Mike Vrabel. And USC essentially just paid Lincoln Riley $120 million dollars. Ohio State easily could offer a similar package and $120, $130 million, especially when you're paying for housing and taking care of the mortgage rates and the interest rates. And it's crazy what you can do, these boosters, to entice a coach would at least make you think. Now, being a head coach in the NFL is being is better than being a head coach in college. Transfer portal, recruiting, pain in the ass. But Ohio State could pay and would be willing to pay him more than he's making in Tennessee. And the other thing is when you become a head coach in college, you're the boss of everything. You're, you're the GM. You're the coach. You are the boss. You, you know, depending on what school you're at, you're basically the owner too. You're unti- Nick Saban is the, the GM, the head coach, and the owner of, of Alabama football. Kirby Smart has become that as well at Georgia. When Pete Carroll was at USC, that was him. So I, I never thought Mike Vrabel would even entertain if they reached out, but... It would create leverage. And what do what happens when coaches have leverage? They get raises, and they get what they want from the personnel department. Now, Mike Vrabel was adamant he had nothing to do with it. I don't believe most things coaches say. Why? They lie all the fucking time. Just as a lot of people in corporations, in government, in pro sports, people with public jobs that like have to be careful about what they put out you know, to the press lie constantly. It's part of the job. So he might be telling the truth. He also might be lying. And he did mention in the press conference, he answered. The hierarchy was John Robinson was above him. So if Ohio State's coming after him, and it obviously hasn't been reported, this is just an educated guess if we follow football long enough, like it's just not going to be tolerated at Ohio State getting worked by Michigan. getting at home. They hadn't lost at home to Michigan since Jim Harbaugh was a player in the NFL. So even if they just 
quietly reached out. That's enough to get him juice with the owner. That's how things happen. And we saw this years ago a little differently when Chip Kelly forced Howie Roseman out. Now, the difference is Mike Vrabel's a real NFL coach. And head coaches, if he's good, and a GM, if he's good, if you got to choose one, you should always choose the head coach. They are much more difficult to find. It's easier to find a personnel guy to run your operation. Now, this is just a working theory, is that Mike Vrabel forced him out. I don't have any insider information, but I do think that's a very plausible explanation to what happened. Because a general manager, who's all his team does is go to the playoffs every single year, work their division rival constantly in the Colts, you would think that, you know, he wouldn't get fired in early December. Now, the other curveball, they just played the Eagles. John Robinson traded their, you know, second or third or maybe first, depending on the game, their best player to the Eagles. He kicks their ass. The owner had a box. If you saw the video that went viral, Eagle fans are flipping him off, talking a bunch of shit, screaming F-bombs at him, and maybe they just flipped. But that would be just get emotional over one game, For as bad as the loss was, and obviously the Eagles are much better than the Titans, but in terms of A.J. Brown working them, that feels a little unbelievable. But I would say there are probably a lot of variables at the end of the day, and you would have to say that Mike Vrabel, with a little bit of a power play, is a very, very plausible explanation. And if when the season ends, Mike Vrabel is essentially the general manager, head coach, we'll know that's what happens. Because that's what would have been offered to him at Ohio State. He'd be the boss of everything and make an astronomical amount of money. Have his house paid for, his assistance. He'd have $2 million coordinator. It, they have unlimited resources. I mean, they do. Now, you could argue Tennessee's got a lot of money too. It's more that like he used the pitch. Maybe he just wanted to be the boss. Maybe he didn't want to keep taking orders from this guy. I'm not saying John Robinson was giving him orders, but John Robinson... it. it when a draft pick or a player acquisition came through, especially at a high uh, monetary amount or high in the draft, like it was John's decision. And some coaches don't like that, you know? And especially the bigger and better you get, and Mike Vrabel's star has grown as a head coach. Maybe he's like, let me pick the players. What Bill Parcells say? You want me to cook the dinner? Let me go get the groceries? And I, I think that's understandable. It's also just a crazy business. It's one reason why once I left... You know, almost a decade ago, I, I never really thought about going back. You know, I, I thought I was pretty good at my job, and a lot of people are new to this. You know, I got into an argument in a draft meeting after Andy got fired, Chip had taken over. I was doing the West Coast with Chip Kelly over Matt Barkley, who obviously I lost that argument <clears throat> because Chip not only drafted the guy, I got fired. Uh, but, you know, there's so many politics at play in the NFL the owner is always siding with agents or coaches or G. You just never know. A lot of backstabbing, a lot of egos, a lot of insecurity. And it's just, you could be really good at your job and get fired. You can be really shitty at your job and keep your job for a long period of time. Now, I bet a lot of people listening in corporate America, yeah, that's parallels a lot of different industries. Not like the NFL is alone here, but it's just, it's a, I think it could be a really shitty business at times. Like, you can be successful and get run out of town. And you can be bad and keep a job because people like you. It happens with assistant coaches all the time. It happens with scouts all over the league all the time. Uh, it's not always on the merit of your job. That's that's the irony about the whole league is based on the game and the players. They're get, Players is very merit-based, right? 
Russell Wilson would be cut if they get out of his contract. They all know he sucks. If he was on a year-by-year contract, they would get rid of him tomorrow. If players don't produce, they get benched, they get cut. Yeah, that's not always the case here. Now, obviously, you're not going to fire Mike Vrabel. He's really, really good, but this just felt a little slimy. It, it, it really did. A little out of left field and a little bit like Mike Vrabel is now the grand poobah and the head honcho. And I would imagine the future general manager could be wrong. The future general manager of the Tennessee Titans. Aaron Judge just signed nine years for $360 million. It's crazy some of the money these baseball players are getting. Like, in what world? I love Aaron Judge. I love Trey Turner. Some of these guys getting eight, nine, ten-year deals at 30 years old. It's insanity to me. I mean, it's just bad business. It, it, it just is. I mean, it's just it's not a way that anyone, if they could choose, would want to do business. Right? But... It's the way it is in baseball, and it leads to a lot of bad contracts. Now, I'm not saying Aaron Judge is necessarily a bad contract, but the chances that like the last three years of that deal at a hundred plus million dollars total is going to be a hundred million dollars well spent. He he better ball out the next four or five years to make it all worth it. But I saw Jeremy Fowler on uh, on the Bird website, Twitter.com say what Aaron Judge did, because he bet on himself. It was a very, very impressive life lesson. The guy had a contract in front of him for $215 million. Now, he'd had an impressive career, but he'd also been injured a lot. $215 million, all guaranteed. And he told the Yankees to kick rocks. I'm going to play this season out and see where, where, uh, where the chips fall. See where the dust settles. Obviously, you know, worked out well for Aaron Judge. It was a ballsy move. It's easy to say now it was a ballsy move. Backed it up. Cool. And I support any human being alive that bets on themselves. But just because you bet on yourself doesn't guarantee you that you're going to win. At minimum, you're going to learn. I mean, you're, you're going to get a feel for whatever decision you make and have experience based on that decision and then figure it out after the fact. But you're not guaranteed financially to always come out the other side with more money. I mean, that's that's a fact. And I, Jeremy Fowler said Lamar Jackson is attempting to do, when he turned down the Ravens offer, what Aaron Judge just did. And my first thought was, that's the dumbest tweet I've ever seen, because that is not the case at all. Lamar Jackson, Aaron Judge's most powerful leverage was, when the season ended, if he had a good season, and obviously he had a historic season, he was a free agent. He was free to go where he pleased. He could have half the league, probably less than that, but I mean, big money teams bidding over his services. Even if he had just hit 40 home runs, had a solid season, every team in the league that could afford him would have been interested. So he was going to have, that drives up the price, right? And Lamar Jackson is not going to be a free agent. So when you turn down contracts, even if quote-unquote in your free agency year, when you're a quarterback, we saw it with Kirk Cousins who was nowhere near as good as Lamar Jackson when he was with Washington. Well, what happened? He didn't hit free agency for multiple years because he kept getting franchise tagged. So until you hit free agency, that's when you gain the leverage. So is Lamar really betting on himself? Not really, because he's stuck. So if anything, he just knows, like, I can just play into back-to-back franchise tags. But when you play like he plays, and people get mad, like, he didn't get hurt running around. That's not the point. His style as a player, he just opens himself up to more hits because he does run around. And he got hurt 
again. Now, you can say, well, it was within the pocket. What a freak injury. I get that. But Lamar Jackson now, who quote-unquote bet on himself and turned down a lot of money. And the difference is, the Ravens, what they offered him, you know, $160, $70 million. Aaron Judge knew that, like, if I dominate and win the MVP, that 215 will be, let's just say, at the time he thought, 350 or let's even say 300 it's a 75 million dollar difference what's the difference if Lamar Jackson has had a good season 10 million dollars I've said from the beginning I don't see the risk at like the, the 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 risk doesn't outweigh the reward here because the reward is not like well they're offering you 170 next year they're going to offer you 220 that's not going to happen they don't care what Kyler Murray got paid they don't care what Deshaun Watson got paid. Or, excuse me, I guess Kyler Murray. They give him the Kyler Murray contract. But you're not getting the Deshaun Watson contract. That's just not happening. No one in the NFL gives a shit about Jimmy Haslam and the worst deal we've ever seen signed. They just don't. And they're not going to copy that. right? Because that is essentially these baseball deals. And honestly, those deals, for us, the consumer, I don't ultimately care what guys get paid. But... Like, we benefit more as fans of the sport and from an entertainment value, the league benefits, from not being stuck in a lot of these contracts. Like, Russell Wilson's shitty contract is a complete outlier to the league. Same thing with Kyler Murray, even though we all knew they shouldn't have signed Kyler Murray. At the time, like Russell Wilson, I've said over and over, I would have signed that contract too. But most of these deals, even the worst deals, you can get out of in like two, three years, three years max, most of them too. So, Lamar Jackson, who's now injured, I I just think that decision is aging very, very poorly. I saw people arguing on the internet, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I think it's so stupid. I'm not a Tua hater. I just think his numbers going into last week's game against the Niners, he was 19-3. and Like, I I didn't view him as some guy who... I didn't view him as a top-10 quarterback. (laughs) Like, I know his statistics. I know where he stood. But I didn't view him that way. And then I saw some people, because this week he's playing the Chargers, go, well, Tua now has completely changed the narrative. A year ago, everyone's like, Justin Herbert, how could you pass on him to take Tua? Listen, I don't give a flying you-know-what what the stats are at the end of the season. There is not a coach in the NFL. There is not a general manager in the NFL. There is not a team in the NFL. And that includes Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins that would not trade Justin Herbert, or excuse me, trade Tua for Justin Herbert. So this notion that, oh, he's just a big high-weight speed guy. No. Well, he wins and losses. It is not his fault that Justin Herbert, his head coach, is a complete buffoon and is terrible at his job. One of the worst defensive coordinators in the NFL. He also happens to be the head coach. Last year, the Chargers missed the playoffs. Justin Herbert threw 38 touchdowns. He was, by all accounts, people I knew in the NFL, by statistical measure, by the eye test, a top five quarterback in the league. Yet his team missed the playoffs. That was not his fault. That was the head coach's fault and the defense's fault. That was putrid. This year, Mike McDaniel has benefited a lot. Clearly, Mike McDaniel, really good head coach is an offensive coordinator, who also the head coach, who impacts the game. And then they made a trade to Tyree Kill, who is by far the best player on that team, 
and it's really worked. He's dominant. I've said all the time, if you're gonna, if anyone from the Dolphins is going to be in the MVP mix, it's Tyreek Hill. And I'm not trying to shit on Tua. He has been much better than I thought, and he's having a good season. Miami obviously controls their own destiny to get to the playoffs. But this notion that like Tua, if anything, he's established that if you build a good enough offense around him, he can excel and be a successful quarterback. But this notion that like he's now past Herbert or whatever, like put down the crack pipe, put down the drugs, because there there is not one human being, not not one that is outside of Tua's family <laughs> that would take Tua over Herbert. And there's nothing wrong with saying that. Like Justin Herbert is not just a top five talent. He's been a top five quarterback. I, I think most people like, is Tua really a top 10 quarterback? We'll see. We'll see how he comes down this home stretch because I am still somewhat dubious. And last but not least, like I've always thought it was very disingenuous the way the media, you know, even guys like Jay Billis, people that talk about college sports, always acted like the players were getting screwed when players were actively getting paid. My well before I was born, all through my life, and it was technically illegal by the NCAA. And listen, I'm pro capitalism. I was cool with everyone getting paid under the table. I it, I was for that. But I was never disingenuous acting like no one's actually getting paid when they're all getting all the top players. And Jay Billis was very outspoken about this for years when his program, Duke, don't get it twisted, we're paying premiums for those players. And rightfully so. I'd pay Zion. I'd pay Kyrie. I would pay all those guys too to play college basketball on my program. I just don't pretend that they're not getting an astronomical amount of money under the table. And then when the feds popped all those people in college basketball, they had to, it was weird. Like the, even the media is like, well, it's like, yeah, they were all getting paid. College football is no different. It's a little different that the amount of money to the majority of the guys was probably lower than basketball because there's more of them. If I miss out on this linebacker, I can get another linebacker. If I miss out on the number two power forward in the country, the gap on the next guy might be pretty big. The difference between like the third O-lineman and the seventh O-lineman is probably not that big of a difference, right? Especially at the highest level with the top programs. But now, the NIL, everyone's getting a lot of money. And it does feel a little bit like if some of these numbers are true, it's not all this is penciling. For every Bryce Young or Caleb that's worth whatever they are making, you know, Michael Penix, whatever he got paid to return, it's worth it because they're the quarterback, the impact. You can't tell me like the right guard is actually, if he's making, I don't know, 400K or, or whatever. Some of these numbers feel a little out of whack to me. But again, pro-capitalism, you don't get what's fair, you get what you negotiate. So I'm all for all these guys getting money. But this transfer portal now is basically like part of what makes pro sports work is there is, and I'm not the biggest government guy, but there is some regulation and some rules needed in certain industries. And I think football, like you're not a free agent every single year. If you sign a three-year contract, you're on the team for three years, right? There, you got to wait till you hit free agency. You can't negotiate with a free agent during the season. You got to wait till the, you know, the league year ends, and then you can negotiate at the combine. Like there are just rules that you have to follow. Like if I want this player, I got to wait in the draft. Like baseball, the guy becomes free agency after six years of arbitrage, whatever. Like there are just some basic black and white things that you cannot circumvent. And it does feel that the NCAA, which I've always believed is a complete joke, is completely useless now. And this transfer portal thing. While, again, I, I don't think you should have to stay somewhere if you're not playing or you want to go somewhere new. And I think it's actually pretty cool. I went to this website. It's called on3.com. And you can see where guys in the transfer portal, like a dude from Reno 
who ends up going to Oklahoma State or a guy from you know, uh, a smaller school. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Like Arizona State goes to Michigan. I think it's cool when a guy upgrades, right? But sometimes these guys downgrade. And maybe they downgrade just because I'm at a high-level Power 5 team. I'm at Penn State. I'm at Georgia. I'm at Alabama. I'm at Texas. And I'm not playing, so I got to leave. Totally understandable, too. But from what I know of college coaches and talking to some people in the business, they say a lot of these people just go in the portal just to shop themselves. And it's like, I somewhat understand that. And I wouldn't blame if I was in that position, I guess I would do it too. But like in pro sports, that's not the way it works. Like every year, Aaron Donald can't be like, well, I'm just going to hit the portal, shop myself, see how much money I can come back. If you match it, then I'll come back. And it does feel like as these conferences, as they split, and it's clearly going to be the big 10 and the sec to me are going to end up with like 20 teams each. There has to be some governing body where we just get some universal rules that everyone follows. Because right now, the wild, wild west, actually, I think a lot of kids end up getting fucked, right? Because a lot of guys go into this transfer portal, and then they don't have a seat once the dust settles. For every guy that's leaving Ohio State or Alabama, not going to be that difficult. But there are also a lot of guys with Division I Power Five scholarships that go in there and then don't have a place to go. And I I think it's just a little, I don't have the answer. I just know what's going on right now can't be, it's not a sustainable future. And it's not the healthiest thing just for the kids, for the sport. Like, you could argue this. Because in the NFL, right, like Sean McVay, if I'm a team with an opening, let's just say, let's just pick a team that's going to fire their coach, Denver Broncos. And I was like, I want to hire Sean McVay. Where in college football, if, if the Rams and the Broncos were college football programs, if Sean McVay wanted to leave the Rams or the Broncos, he could. But in the NFL, that never happens. The only time it ever happened was when Gruden got traded for multiple ones. But you can't just like Luke Fickle leave Cincinnati to go to Wisconsin. Like, that's just that's not allowed. It's not the way it works. Lane Kiffin bouncing around programs. You know, Hugh Freeze bouncing around programs, which is very, we're numb to in college football. It just happens all the time. In the NFL, you're stuck. Maybe part of like these new rules, whenever we figure out this conference realignment, is maybe coaches get stuck. Like you get a power five job, at minimum, you're there four years, you know, a recruiting class. I don't know. But all I know, and, and I'm not like shady stuff. I kind of like shady stuff. That, that's what entertains me. This feels like it jumped the shark. You know, all these guys jumping in, all these quarterbacks bouncing around. And I'm not against a one time transfer. But some of these guys, like four different schools in five or six years, like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, are you just trying to make as many friends as possible? Are you trying to throw a touchdown at every different conference? Or are you trying to, like, actually be a player? You know, or are you just, it's weird because in the old days, you would have been like, well, very selfish kid. And I'm, I'm hesitant to say that. Like, these guys not playing in bowl games does not bother me at all. Will Levis, who's I think going to end up being a top five pick. Very good chance he's the number two overall pick. Not playing in Kentucky's bowl game. Of course he shouldn't play in Kentucky's bowl game. It makes no sense. The other guy from Ohio State, number 11. uh, I always screw up his name. Jackson something something. I I can't say his last name. He hasn't played all season long. So I've seen people getting mad that he's not playing. He hasn't been playing football. Like if he had been on the team and then just tapped out, I'd be the first to say that's a little weird. But he hasn't been around. 
So it's like, if you haven't been playing, he's not going to play in the game. Now, obviously, if you get a chance to go to the playoffs and you've been playing and you leave, yeah, I would say that's a red flag. But if you're going to these random bowl games and your team won seven or eight games and you're going to be a first-round player, you can go. Now, if you're going to be a fourth or fifth-round player and you're playing a good opponent, you have the opportunity to earn some credit in the game. Is there a risk? For sure. But it's football. Like You're not guaranteed. You could be a six-round pick. What if you have a big game and you end up going in the fourth round? Like You can earn yourself money. But guys that, to me, are already, I'd even argue, like top 50 picks, I would, I would recommend not playing in the bowl game. But there's a reason that all these teams in the playoffs have a lot of future first-round picks. They're going to play in the game. Why? There's a lot to gain. You can become a national champion. That's really been the whole point of playing the season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, college football is just a chaos zone right now. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back with my man, Stucky. You can find him on the Action Network podcast. You can find him on Big Bets on Campus. You can find him on Twitter, tweeting up a storm. Probably saying goodbye to Will Levis as he's no longer ever going to play for Kentucky again. Don't blame him, though. I mean, making the right decision. You got any updates on Kentucky hoops? How, how are they looking? They're, they're looking okay. I mean, I, they're, they have a ton of talent as much as anybody. Uh, they're kind of falling behind in as far as like coaching and just they don't run much. Like they, they just, Calipari is an amazing recruiter, media guy. But like as far as in game adjustments and, like the modern you know, modernizing what they do, they're they're kind of falling behind in that department. So we'll see how they uh, uh, the long way to go until March, and we'll see. Hopefully, they can avoid getting upset in the first round of St. Peter's again. Okay, well, we got some football, and actually, we got some. You know, these next couple of weeks, we're really going to determine 
who's in the playoffs, who's not in the playoffs. Uh, Let's start with, I was with you last week on Kansas City, and you got to give the Bengals credit. I mean, the Bengals, to me, the Bengals are just pretty good. I mean, if that quarterback's going to be that good, they have every bit of the chance to play with Buffalo and Kansas City, right, Uh, in the playoffs. I mean, that guy... Obviously, they probably have to go on the road, depending on how this next three or four weeks shape out. But like, I'm not going to hate them whether they play. I guess they would more than likely probably play Kansas City in the second round, right, as the 2-3 game. And clearly, they are not going to be intimidated to go in there and have a chance to win. Yeah, no, you have to give. Look, I mean, there was a Kelsey fumble. The Chiefs are up four. I don't know what Reed was doing kicking that field goal because even if you make it, like Burrow has the ball with three minutes to go to go down the field and get another field goal. But you can look back earlier in that game. Tyler Boyd drops a wide open touchdown. Hit him in the face, man. The money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, end of the first half, they went for it on fourth down. So, yeah, I, I think that the the Bengals were the right side in that game. You know, the Chiefs could have won. Um, yeah, and they're dangerous. Their defense, defensive coordinator makes really good adjustments in the second half. They consistently shut down teams in the second half. And then Burrow with all of his weapons, like he's taken a big step forward in year two. People don't realize it because he made this Super Bowl last year. He made the Super Bowl last year, but they weren't that great. Like, and if you look at their like yards per drive, you know, uh, they were like 13th, 14th in the league. And they just kind of got, they got in late and then they got a couple breaks and then got to the Super Bowl. But this year, if you look, like they're like third in the league in yards per drive, and he's really taken a big step forward. I think the offensive line is only going to continue to improve. So, yeah, they're as dangerous as anybody in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, when Jamar Chase is out there with them, they they feel like they are a juggernaut, uh, and they clearly are. I mean, now I'm going to say what I said last week. I, I do like Kansas City to bounce back, but uh, I hadn't seen the number till you, you sent over the email. It, it is a pretty large number. <laughs> Shows you how much Denver sucks. Add Denver to be getting 10 points. Their defense is good. I mean, Russell sucks. He's got awful, but the, their defense is legitimate. And, you know, Kansas City is just, you know, not consistently some offensive juggernaut. Even though last week, right, they just didn't score touchdowns, but they efficiently moved the ball. And like you said, with the Kelsey touchdown, it's weird. I, I don't, defensive guys don't usually tap out. Right, like Denver's defense has been playing hard pretty much consistently all season long, despite Russell Wilson being in their in their head coach being a joke. So you you would think they are gonna play hard, especially at home. The crowd, I mean, I I would imagine they're you know the fans might be tapping out a little bit, but ten points feels like a pretty large number even for Russell Wilson, who can't you know throw a touchdown to save his life. Yeah, I I reluctantly took the Broncos here. Only, this is only the second time I've, I've taken them, but you're right. The defense is still fighting. They might end up leading the league in in points allowed, and then also uh, lead the league with fewest points scored on offense. But they've only lost one game by ten or more points the whole year. I mean, they just went to Baltimore. I know Lamar got hurt, but they lost by one in inexplicable fashion. They've lost three games in overtime. They've lost five games in which they've led in the fourth quarter. Their defense keeps them in every single game. And if you look, if there's a couple bounces or if their offense was just a tad bit more competent, this team could have eight or nine wins. It's insane. And, yeah, their defense, I don't know when their defense is going to just collapse from, you know, every week trying to go out there and and get them a win. Um, But this isn't the spot. I mean, they're at home against Kansas City. The crowd will be into it. So, yeah, I think their defense shows up again. And 
this, every Broncos game is the same. It's a script. I feel bad for Broncos fans. You come home, you know, su- Sunday, and you, pop, you basically pop it in a tape. It's a movie. It's the same thing every week. It's like you lose six, 16, 13, 13, 10, 10, 9 in just hard fashion. So, yeah, I think their defense can keep the minute. Mahomes 7-0 and straight up as a favorite of seven or more points on the road. He's also never lost on the road in division, which is crazy. But he's only one in six against the spread in those games. Um, and if you want to fade Mahomes, it's when he's a favorite of seven or more. Their defense isn't great, and which is hard for them to build margin. And one of the things that Kubiak, the new play caller, has done, it hasn't translated into points, but they've gone just – they have so many injuries every year. They've gone really heavy. So they're using like three tight ends, um, and they're just going to like this power running game. It's given them, you know, Russell isn't getting hit as much, and it's given them a lot more manageable third downs. I think that that could translate here against Kansas City, whose defensive line is not good against the run. Um, so I think that they can move the ball some, and this is just a, it's a big number for a road divisional game. So, yeah, it's awful. It's it's going to be painful to watch, but um, give me Denver plus uh, nine and a half, ten at home. You, you know what's crazy thinking about it is like when you have an elite defense re- relative to like that season of other teams, you should be mm-hmm. a borderline lock for like double, you know, ten wins, right? The, the Niners' yep. offense. I mean, they're going through three quarterbacks. They're going to win eleven games mainly because their defense dominates every week, and their offense has its moments, but it is by no means a juggernaut. You're a Ravens guy. For a lot of years, you guys had inept offenses like when I was younger and we were younger, right, in the 2000s. But their defense gets you around 9 to 11 wins. Somehow the fucking rate or the Broncos are going to win like four games because their offense has been that hideous. Like it's it's hard to be as shitty as they've been, right? Yeah, I mean, the, the Ravens won a Super Bowl with a shitty offense in, in 2000. Uh, I mean, they went a couple games without scoring a touchdown. And... Yeah, that, I mean, you, your offense has to be extremely bad, and this is. The Broncos, they're averaging 13.8 points per game. The last team to finish with under 14 points per game was uh, the 2012 Chiefs. So, yeah, you got to be, like, historically bad offense to not, you know, at least get in the playoffs with this great of a defense. They're in the game every week, and then it just falls apart. Well, speaking of, if you could combine Denver's defense and Detroit's offense, I mean, you'd probably have a 16-1 and team. Uh, they play Minnesota, and I honestly had to double look at this line because I, I get Detroit's at home, but they're the favorite in this game. <laughs> like that's, now I understand they've been playing really good football, and they easily could have won that Thanksgiving game. And you know, you've been hammering home these stats on Minnesota, which the stats don't equal like the record and the stats. You know, don't exactly parallel each other. But I mean, the point of the whole sport is to win games. Uh, and I do believe, like when you watch Minnesota. It's crazy how good Justin Jefferson is. Like even when they Same. miss him, I guess it's stupid how good the guy is. Uh, I, I love the backup running back Madison. I mean, they are pretty offensively loaded. Uh, defensively, though, obviously Detroit is just. I mean, Jared Goff's having a pretty good season, uh, and they kind of believe. And you know, having the Rams pick in a weird way for a team that's not going to make the playoffs, it incentivizes them to keep trying to kick ass and take names. I mean, they got that pick coming to them. So like whether their pick ends up 12 or 17, like they are trying to win these games. I, I like Detroit in this, in this game. I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I bet against Minnesota all the time and I, I you know, I lose, but uh, it does feel like I'm going to, I'm going to ride Campbell in the Lions. Yeah. I, I like the Lions here too. I don't, I'm not sure. How much? How much longer 
the Vikings can keep this up, but they're ten and two with a plus ten net scoring margin. Like that, that is insane. This is more like a five or six win team. They've won their last nine games have all come by one possession. They're generally getting outscored in every game by a lot. I mean, they're they're getting lucky in turnovers, red zone. Last week they were outgained by the Jets by almost two hundred yards of total offense against the Jets. They're thirty first in the league in net net yards per play. Um, and if you look at a lot of metrics like power ratings, this team is like below average overall. Their defense isn't great. The Lions are rolling, and the Lions, you know, their offense is clicking on all cylinders. They're healthy now. You know, it's one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And you said it, golf's playing really well. You got your receivers healthy now. Even add Jamison Williams into the mix, and you're going against a defense that can't really stop anybody. You know, we just watched. Mike White throw all over them. And then the week before, we said, oh, look, Mac Jones, this Patriots offense, maybe it's back after the bot. Well, then they looked awful against the Bills. Granted, the Bills are a pretty good day. But the Vikings defense is really bad. And the Lions defense is actually like, they're still bad, but they're actually like improving a bit. If you look over the last three or four weeks, since the bye week, they have they you know they some of their young players um, have really started to improve. Hutchinson's really coming to his well, own. Guys are mon- starting guys to play are better. Yeah, so like you know they're this this kid Pascal they're playing and uh, Joseph at safety. They got a lot of younger kids that are stepping up. Rodriguez at linebacker. Now, this defense in like two years, if they add like if they just hit on like their next couple of additions, whether it's free agency or draft picks, it could be really good. To go along with this offensive lines are up and coming. They've covered five straight. Um, I think they make it six and they win this game and keep their slim playoff hopes alive. Well, I don't think it's outrageous that if they just go, we don't love one of these quarterbacks, even though it feels like Dan Campbell's going to like Will Levis, this big, powerful yeah. guy. I, I could see that. But if they just, if if for whatever reason they don't, they could go easily with like a Will Anderson or that Georgia defensive yep. lineman and then take another sweet, you know, player. They got Jamison Williams, who's basically going to redshirt the season. I know he came back, but I don't think he's going to play much. They'll be cautious yeah. with him. Their team on paper could look, be pretty impressive. We know how their offensive line's good. Their running game's good. Yeah, Jamison Williams yep. to go with St. Brown. Like if Hutchinson becomes kind of like a poor man's Bosa, not Nick, but more Joey, I, I, I think yep. they got a chance to be Buck. You know, be be just a playoff level roster for sure. Now, can they coach? Right, that that's going to be the question. The more and more tight games he's in, uh, because when they've won, they've kind of been up. <laughs> you know, the, the tight games have kind of gone not their way with some of this clock management and stuff. But I mean, next year I think there's going to be some pressure on them because I think their roster is going to look pretty good on paper headed into the 2023 season. Yeah, I agree. And if you know, defense to. You know, obviously, your most important positions in the NFL, it's like you're, they have their offensive line covered, but it's quarterback and golf is showing that he's competent enough. Um, you know, wide receiver where they're which they're set at. And then on defense, it's like, OK, do you have a dominant defensive end, which they might with Hutchinson? And then do you have a really good corner, which now they, you know, Okuda starting to play really well. And people forget he was the number three overall pick in the yeah. NFL draft, was really poor at first, which you see with rookies. Then he got hurt. He's starting to come into his own. So if he continues to develop, um, you know, and then you got these other young pieces around them. Yeah, the, the Lions are uh, the Lions might actually be respectable coming up here in the next couple of years. Okay, I, I don't plan on watching a second of this game, but I, I know you're picking a side. So uh, tell us about ja- sell us on Jacksonville, Tennessee. Uh, I just I took the four because Tennessee I, I think is going to have trouble winning with margin. I think Lawrence is going to play. Tennessee is just so banged up. I don't think Burks is going to play, which means they can't throw it downfield. 
Jags have no secondary. Their pass D is horrendous, but their run D is pretty good. Schematically, that's their their defense is set up to shut down the run. Todd Bowles, disciple, coaching up that D. And then on the if you look at the Titans defense, it is decimated. I mean, Danico Autry is out. Landry's already out. <laughs> like David Long, their linebacker. They have three starting secondary guys that are out. And you saw that last week uh, against the Eagles. They just they got a couple more guys got hurt and they couldn't stop anybody. You had Trey Avery, a couple of rookies on the outside trying to guard their receivers. So I just think Tennessee is really banged up here. And their offense without Burks against a decent run day, it's going to be hard to build margin. Divisional game, uh, I'll take the four happily here. This was trending towards three, ticked back up because the reports came out that Lawrence didn't practice, but I, I think he's going to be fine to play. You know, I, I thought this week would be the time when we just kind of start ending the Giants, but that tie game kind of keeps them alive. So even if they lose this game, the next week is really the big game because they wouldn't go in with like back-to-back losses against Washington. Uh, but the, the Giants kind of are what they are. And one thing you saw against Tennessee, I mean, some certain coach or quarterbacks and wide receivers just like have perfect chemistry and clearly AJ and, and Jalen. I mean, we know it's been well documented. They've been friends for a long time, but holy shit. I mean, it's just those two guys. And honestly, Devontae Smith, obviously with Jalen Alabama, like those two guys are on the same page. I mean, that's just a pretty potent combination. I, it's in New York. I mean, I, I, you know better than me. This isn't, they don't have to win this game. I mean, they're still alive. Seattle. Right and commanders are kind of fighting for those last couple spots, but uh, I don't know. I mean, is Philly ripe for an upset here? I mean, a little letdown game. You would probably say no because these divisional games, especially in the NFC East, now that everyone's pretty competitive, you take pretty seriously. Uh, seven points feels like a lot because the Giants, you know, throughout the season have been able to ugly up the game. But it's hard, man, for me to bet against the way Philly. Like when they're on, it, this isn't a fair fight. It's just maybe Philly, you know plays their C plus game and the, the game's a little uglier and maybe we're talking 13 13 you know midway through the you know third quarter and they got a chance to you know cover and the final score ends up you know let's say 16 to 23 or something and, and if you take the Giants plus seven you're in good shape yeah I you hit the nail on the head I mean the Giants are they're a well-coached team they're able to ugly up these games catching seven at home in a divisional game in December with a team that's, you know, alive, uh, I'll, they'll always catch my attention. I mean, if you blindly bet home dogs of seven or more in December or later in the history, well, not in the history, but since 1990, you're at 56%. So you're already ahead of the curve. The And the Eagles, there's something about the Eagles. I don't know if it's because they're young, but they this team just hasn't been the same on the road. I mean, they are destroying teams at home, but on the road, for what it's worth, since 2020, they're seven and sixteen against the spread. That's the least profitable team in the NFL. That includes one and six against the spread against the NFC East. This year, it's like, you know, they beat the Lions by three to start the year. Now, granted, they were up by a lot, and but the Lions weren't the same team. They beat the Cardinals only by three. Um, you know, beat the Texans by 12 and 29-17. The Texans were in that game. Uh, they beat the Colts by one the other week. So it's the offense, and for whatever reason, they they haven't been the same team on the road this year. And if I, it's more of it, I'm just selling high. It's like you know this team has one loss. Last week they go out and they absolutely dominate Tennessee, and that's why I think we're getting the seven here. I don't think we would have gotten the seven, which is obviously a really important number. And so I, I'm taking it. Giants can ugly up games. It's a huge game for them. And to you know to 
kind of hammer home the point of selling high on teams in the NFL in December or later over the past 20 years, teams with a 90% plus win percentage are 25, 53 and one against the spread. That's 32%. When those teams play away from home, they're eight, 32 and one against the spread. That's 20%. It goes back to, okay, it's very rare for teams to win over 90% of their games in the NFL come December, but everyone wants to bet them, right? Who wants to fade them? So usually they're a little inflated, which is why I think you're getting a seven here, um, which I'll take and hold my nose. You know, talking about Minnesota being the two seed, kind of a little look ahead to the playoffs. Is there going to be some value in a little upset city, depending on who they play? Washington, Seattle, or New York? I mean, that because you would imagine, what do you think? Depending on the team, that line's five, six points at Minnesota, a team that's probably nine and eight, right? Playing a team that's, I don't know, 14 and three. I, you know, the line, or is the line going to reflect that actually Minnesota is more like an 11 win team than some 14 win powerhouse? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, with Minnesota at home, they have one of the best home field advantages it's in loud. the NFL. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a tough yeah, place to play. You hear the, the horn and, um, you mentioned their offense and, and one of the reasons they they do win, I got to give them credit for winning close games is like, you have a guy like Jefferson, like just look at the bills game at yeah. fourth and 18, let's just throw it up to him and make a miraculous catch. But so they're, they're, they're still decent. They have an offense that then there's a reason they're good in the fourth quarter. And the bottom of the NFC is bad. So I don't, it's they're projected right now to be playing the Seahawks who were, everyone is kind of seeing like, ah, oh, they're not, as good as we thought, or the Giants, uh, maybe Washington. I think Washington would be the team that Minnesota would want to avoid. Um, they're on the outside looking in now, but or Detroit, if Detroit can somehow sneak up to that seven seed, they, they need to win this game and then get some help. But yeah, I, I the Seattle defense is trending in the wrong direction. Uh, I don't think the Giants have enough on offense, but if Washington gets in, they're playing a lot better with Heineke and that defense can get after cousins um, I think they would be the dangerous seven seed. They would be the dangerous seven seed that like no one would really want to see. Um, can ugly up a game. You saw what they did in Philadelphia. They just controlled the ball for the almost the entire game. But the the bottom of the NFC is pretty is terrible. Ugly. Yeah. But if Washington sneaks in or Detroit, these are the teams that aren't in there right now. I think they they would be much more dangerous than Seattle or New York. So we'll see how it plays out over the next couple of weeks. Um but you have to think that the the Eagles and the Cowboys right now uh, are head and shoulders above the rest. And then it's going to come down to 49ers, who I had above those two teams with Jimmy G. It's going to come down to, okay, let's see what Purdy can give them uh, over the next couple of weeks. A lot of it's system with Shanahan, but you know Jimmy G, if you look statistically, was always way more effective than you know whatever, whatever was C.J. Beathard or yeah, all these yeah, backups yeah. that have been in there. So, you know, Purdy's a seventh-round rookie. So we're, we're going to find out a lot about the 49ers and their ceiling um, over the next couple of weeks. So, But those are the clear three Well, teams the, that- the, the Niners play Tampa and Seattle in like a four-day stretch because they play next Thursday night. So, I mean, we're going to, in a weird yeah. way, as crazy as it sounds, like if the Niners were to screw up against Tampa or lose that game against Seattle, like Seattle you know, has held surf. I mean, it's, it's not like Seattle's yeah. three games behind them. So... The Niners did beat them earlier, but if they blow this game against Tampa, then we're to lose to Seattle. You'd look up and Seattle would be the three seed, you know, pretty yeah. quick, assuming they be, take care of business against Carolina, which 
like you say, I mean, now Kenneth Walker's hurt. He's been a big issue. I mean, a positive for them. And, uh, you know, their defense is clearly leaking oil. You know, I mean, they're yeah, not if, you exactly- wanna, if you want to know what the market thinks of the, the Seahawks, they are three and a half home point home favorites this week against the Carolina Panthers. Do you think that's right for an upset right there? A little Carolina coming in there? Yeah. Off a bye, right? Especially, yeah, off a bye. Uh, Get rid of I Baker. Don't trust Sam Darnold, but um, that upgrade from Baker. But yeah, the the Panthers defense they have really good secondary, really good corner, and J.C. Horn is playing as well as anybody could take out one of their receivers. And like Kenneth Walker's hurt, and the, everything starts that running game for Seattle, and their defense is leaking oil. So yeah, I mean that, there's a reason why they're they're only three and a half point home favorites. Uh, they could go down there for sure. The NFC is going to be very very interesting the rest of the way. Do you, do you think Dallas is a lock to be favored in that first round game on the road, assuming they play Tampa? That four or five game, like Dallas would be on the road in Tampa. Would they be like minus one or minus two in that game? Yeah, assuming assuming full health. Yeah, the the Cowboys are trending up. I mean, the the Bucks, especially because in the NFL playoffs, the the actual public in the market can have a say because everyone is betting these games. Yeah, so public perception can matter, and like the amount of public money. I don't know who wants to bet the Bucks right now, like against the, what you've seen from the Cowboys, like. The Bucks, I, I don't even, I only see them score in like the two minute warning, uh, and it's amazing what Brady can do just to turn on our. We need two touchdowns, but the team is just the play calling is bad, and th- something. I mean, they're six and six with a plus a minus two scoring margin on the year, so they've been as average as can be. But then again, I don't know. It's, it's a really good question because then you could just fall back on well, it's Tom Brady and he's just got to win the game, yeah, which I'm sure is going to draw some money. So, and do you trust um, the, do you trust the Cowboys in a big spot? I mean, it's yeah. Now, now that you're saying it, maybe maybe it's a maybe it's a pick uh, a coin flip because yeah, Brady still can still find you need one drive to win a game. I mean, still give me Brady. Well, Stucky, um, some good insight. Have a good weekend. Win some money. And uh, tell Will Levis goodbye. Absolutely. Good luck. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.